0: 24 hours every day, 168 hours every week. Since there's a pretty good chance you're watching this in church and assuming you were on time and don't get up and leave early, you're probably gonna spend about one hour here. That leaves 167 hours throughout the week to use how we choose. Studies show we spend about 54 hours each week sleeping and about eight hours eating. That's followed up with about one hour, 45 minutes on the toilet. (laughs) per week. Oh, but that's for men. We spend roughly 15 hours on email, and adults are averaging about 73 hours per week screen time. Wow. Every week we spend about 10 hours in the car and about 43 hours at our jobs. And did you know we spend, on average, a measly 8 minutes a week brushing our teeth, compared to the recommended 28 minutes a week. Ew. Studies also show that we'll spend on average 62 minutes complaining this week. And we'll only laugh about 42 minutes. Compare that to the 1950s where we laughed a whopping two hours each week. I think it's time we cheer up. It's gotta make you think, where do I spend my 167 hours? Well, I'm really excited about
1: this series because time is important and how we spend it is important. And I'm a little bit blown away that an hour and 45 minutes is spent on the toilet uh, each week by men. I think the uh, cell phone has probably changed and added time to that. Would you agree? (laughs) That's unfortunate. But uh, anyway, we're doing this series because we want to help you make the most of your time. We feel like we could maybe help you do that with what we plan to do today and, and next week. Now let me tell you this, one of the things about me is I love sports. And I believe that the NCAA basketball tournament is probably the greatest sporting event out there. Would any of you agree with that? All right, we're in the state of North Carolina, so I expected some of that, especially for you Tar Heel fans who uh, pulled out a a big win last night because you guys can rebound. You might not be able to shoot free throws, but you can rebound. Great job, It's, it's doing the dirty work that sometimes gets you there. So I uh, look forward to watching that game on Monday night. It should be a great matchup. Uh, but the thing that really captured me this weekend with the NCAA basketball tournament was the women. And, and I woke up on Saturday, and one of the things I typically do with my time in the morning is I like to see what happened the night before in sports, because I didn't stay up and watch really any sports on Saturday night, but if you, if, if you're, or Friday night. But if you're not a sports fan, this was still pretty awesome. Because Friday night, there is a, a matchup of the Yukon Huskies and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And if you're not a sports person, you're like, I don't care. I don't even know what you're talking about. But the reason why this was so significant, and one of the reasons why I love sports, is nothing is a given. And Yukon was seen as automatic. They've won three, I think, three championships in a row. I think they're going for the fourth. I might be wrong on my math there. Three, four. They've won a lot. They've won 111 games in a row, and they're going to Friday as big favorites against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. As a matter of fact, last year in the same NCAA tournament, they won by 60 points UConn over Mississippi State. In the offseason, Mississippi State's coach put up the number 60 in the locker room just so they could be reminded of how that felt. Friday night, Mississippi State jumps up 16. But UConn, as they always do, comes storming back. And you got to be thinking, they're going, what's happening? What, what's going to happen? This, this, is, this We're going to go down. We're going to lose because UConn just does that. They're that dominant of a team. And if you watched how the game played out or you, know, you saw the highlights and you woke up Saturday, April 1st, and you saw Mississippi State 66, UConn 64, you probably thought like I did, this, this is an April fool's joke. But it was true. And I, I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm watching highlights of women's basketball, and, and this is like awesome. And a lot of times women's basketball doesn't get the attention. And then turned on Sports Center at 8 o'clock, and the first 15 minutes is dedicated to that one game. And it's one of the reasons why I love sports. Because what seems impossible can become possible. And my whole life, I've I've been around it, I've played it, I've watched it, I'm better at watching than playing. Some of you can understand that. Uh, I've been a season ticket holder, both professionally and collegiately. And I just, I just like I can't get enough. I, I dedicate time to it. I fill out NCAA basketball brackets every year. Some of you do the same thing. Our family did it this year. Guess where I wound up? Last. Guess where my wife wound up? First. Guess who spends her time watching a lot of basketball? This guy. Guess who watches no basketball? That girl. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me who's going to win because I'm going to be wrong. But I will tell you, I've been around watching sports, and it's, been, it's just a fun thing to do. I, I just really enjoy it. Some people hate it, but I love the idea of a team coming together and accomplishing more than they can accomplish individually. And so I've taken my kids, and I've exposed them to my disease and my sickness of loving sports and so they they've drug to events when they were little uh we one time we took them to a a football game and didn't put sunscreen on our one of our kids and and he was like the brightest reddest baby you'll ever see because my wife and i are very fair-skinned and we passed that trait down to three of our four three out of the four kids and so it was like he was an he's a tomato and i was like we have a tomato for a son now Um, but we we've just grown up around this and when I was in college, I went to an Atlanta Hawks game because I'm like an Atlanta sports fan. And I know you probably feel really sorry for me because Atlanta sports has traditionally been pretty terrible. And so I'm at a Hawks game with a group of friends and actually paid for the tickets. And there are people behind me at the, at the game that uh, maybe aren't, weren't my favorite. And this is what I've discovered that I, I don't like about going to a game. I can't pick who sits around me. A lot of you feel me. And I seem to attract the most obnoxious loud drunk people. Does anybody have that same problem? And it's like, are you serious? They're like three-year-olds here and you're using God, that's not like God's last name. And and so like you're you're sitting there just getting all like this is just you should have more awareness. And so I'm in college and I'm not even following Christ at this point in my life. And I've got four loud, obnoxious, drunk people behind me. And like, peanut shells, they're munching peanuts, and peanut shells are, like, hitting me in the back. And I find myself going, I'm, I'm about to turn around and chunk this in their face. And, and then they're, they're, like, chasing it with big gulps of beer. And there's, every other word is, you know, blank, 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 blank. And they're just going on and on and on. And I'm there with my friends, and we're kind of laughing about it, but it's kind of obnoxious, too. And then one of them says, you know what? I'm doing so much drinking tonight, I'm going to have to go to Mass tomorrow. And I was like, what? He's going to get a Mass? Why, why is this guy going to get a Mass tomorrow? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing so much drinking tonight, I'm going to get a Mass tomorrow, man. And I, and I, and I sat there, and I'm, I'm a college student, and at the point in time, I'm not really following God. And I thought that was kind of humorous, but at the same time, I was like, why? And I thought, this guy is boiling down his whole God experience to attending Mass, and it reminded me, as I reflected on this story, it's, it's kind of that whole mindset of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You guys kind of know what I'm talking about. It's like, I, I'm out on Friday night. What happens on my Friday night stays on this Friday night. But, you know, then I, you know I'm going to go to church on Sunday, and I'm going to have that one-hour time with God. We're just going to get everything right. And, and that's going to be great, and then I'm just going to move on with the rest of my week. And I, and I, and I thought about that, even as a guy who wasn't following Christ, and I'm like, that's just not right. And if you're not a Christ follower, you maybe you've been there before where you've heard people talk about how much they love God, but then they're saying other stuff, and you're like, I- I'm so confused. Like, you're saying this, and you're doing this, but why, why even bother? And so one of the things that I've seen, and I, and I think I experienced in that moment, and I've seen it play out over time, and sometimes it's been me, is, is sometimes people who get in this mentality become blatant hypocrites says, I'm going to live this way. I'm going to live like the devil. And then I'm just going to get it right in one hour, a one-hour worship service. And I'm like, oh, it's really small. And there's a lot of you, man, that that you would say, hey, that's not necessarily me. I'm not necessarily a, a what happens in church, stays in church kind of person. I'm not necessarily that kind of person or what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas, or what happens on my Friday night, stays on my Friday night. No, I'm generally a pretty good person, but it doesn't really translate To the rest of my life. And you know, maybe it should, but I just kind of go and I go through the motions and then I get the one hour done, and then the 167, I just kind of keep going like normal. I want to ask you if that's you, aren't you bored? Wouldn't you like more than that? You can have it. And then there may be just this whole idea of I'm coming, I'm sitting. And then it doesn't go affect everything else. I would even say, why would you want to waste your time? Like, after a while, you may come in and intellectually be challenged, or emotionally you feel good. But if it doesn't translate to the 167, it's like, just seems kind of shallow. And I want to throw out a concept to you, I think, that you would all agree with. Maybe you wouldn't. But this idea that following Jesus is more than attending a church service, on a Sunday receiving and sharing the love of Jesus is more than attending a church service on Sunday because think about that for a moment we know Jesus came right he lived life here and, and people liked him people liked Jesus the people who who you wouldn't think like Jesus like Jesus And he goes and he dies on a cross, and he dies this horrific death, and he takes on the sins of the world. And then he's buried. And then he he comes back to life from the dead, and 500 plus people see him, and it's like, wow, this guy was dead, but now he's alive. And people who are running away and saying, I don't even know him, I used to hang out with him, I really don't even know him, but they used to hang out with him all the time. They're running away, but then when they see the risen Christ, You can't stop them. You can't contain them. They can't can't stop talking about how great he is, and they can't help but share his love. I can't imagine that Jesus would come and do all that and that his followers immediately after that would do all that for a one-hour church worship service. But for a lot of us, that's what it becomes. And ultimately, The challenge is to realize that the purpose of the one is for the 167. The purpose of the one is for the 167. The purpose of the one is to be a catapult into the rest of the week. And so one of the questions I kind of want to throw out there is what could happen in your life if you're struggling with being a hypocrite? If you're struggling with man, I'm bored. I'm living the typical. I'm living the basic. What could happen differently if you were to take a step in receiving and sharing the love of Jesus and taking the one and letting it filter into the 167? And to help us get there this morning, we're gonna look at my favorite book in the Bible. And you're like, Brian, what is your favorite book in the Bible? Well, I'm gonna tell you. It's the book of James. And the one thing that's really cool about some of the, the, the books in the Bible is they're not really uh, creative in their titles because James was written by a guy named James. Anyway. <laughs> Brian. Brian. I mean, I said to me, I think it's funny. But, but James is written by James. And you're like, okay, big whoop. Now, James, a significant reason that I, I bring a little bit of background up about James is that James was the brother of Jesus. Can you imagine having Jesus as your brother? Uh, just imagine that for a second. Never does anything wrong. You may already have a brother or sister. You're like, you know what? It's like they never do anything wrong in the eyes of mom and dad. But literally never doing anything wrong. And some of you as parents would be like, that would be so great. <laughs> but but then, then you could like, be recognizing, that I'd do a lot wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> How was I so blessed? Um, but, but never doing anything wrong. And you live with that. And James at first, I think, was just like, get out of my face. But later on, he came to receive his brother as his Savior, as his forgiver, as his Lord. And the first verse, and this is not going to be on the screen, In the first verse of James, James actually refers to himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you have an older brother, or if you know any older brothers, or if you are an older brother, can you in any universe conceive of either being called Master and Lord, or Anything along those lines, being an older brother or having an older brother in your family. Like, I'm an older brother. My brother never called me master. (laughs) Master Brian. (laughs) Sounds so great. Not really. He never called me Lord Brian. And in your household, if you have an older brother situation, it's laughable. One one of the greatest evidences that Jesus came and did all those things was that his own brother, his younger brother, calls him Master and Lord. I think that's pretty cool. So this is a guy who's writing this book, I think with good authority, that we're going to look at four verses this morning. And I want to go ahead and throw up the first verse on the screen. He challenges, challenges us with this. But don't just listen to God's Word. Don't just come into a service and spend one hour listening to God's Word. Don't just go and read God's Word on your own. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Now, I want to camp out on this idea of fooling yourselves. Yesterday was April Fool's. I think that's pretty cool because we have a verse that talks about fooling yourself. How many of you played an April Fool's joke on somebody? Just raise your hand if you would. Okay, there's like two of you. Um, You guys are pretty nice. Yeah. How many of you have ever had an April Fool's joke played on you? Okay, a lot of you. How many of you have actually played one at some point in time in your life? Maybe not yesterday. Okay, so you've played jokes. You've had jokes played on you. Now, He talks about this idea of you're only fooling yourself when you don't do what the Word says. Have you ever played an April Fool's joke on yourself? Oh, the saran wrap on the toilet. Oh, yeah, that's so funny. I can't believe I just did that to myself. (laughs) Now i got to clean up pee. I mean, it's like you would never... In your wildest imagination, play a joke on yourself. (laughs) Uh, "Ah, I'm going to put my clothes in the freezer. Ah, That's going to be so funny when I pull them out. ah, They're going to have to thaw out. Ah." You wouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. What James is saying is, when you hear it and you don't do it, it's like playing an April Fool's joke on yourself. It's like tricking yourself. It's like lying to yourself. It's like deceiving yourself. And in your wildest imagination, you can't imagine doing that. But that's what we do when we hear and don't apply. Well, he continues. Next verses. He says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Well, I want to stop there for a second. Keep the verses up. I love this idea of glancing at your face in the mirror. And, and, and I like it because Jonathan last week, Pastor Jonathan talked about show and tell. And I was hoping last week he'd pull out a Rambo knife. <laughs> like like, like sticking in his teeth. and go, like I, just, I just thought it was going to happen um, because I, I, I've seen that knife before. It was one of the first movies I saw and that was rated R and it just felt pretty taboo. So I was like, oh. He's gonna pull a Rambo knife. But he didn't, it's okay. But I thought, show and tell. Well, I, I like show and tell. So I brought my vanity mirror <laughs> because my hair gets out of place. And um, you're not supposed to laugh. <laughs> I can't help that I'm bald. So this, this mirror, it, it shows me some things. And it shows you some things. Some of you are like, don't let that light hit me in the face because it hurts. But when you woke up this morning and looked in your own mirror, when I look in this mirror, you probably saw some things you wanted to change. Some things you can't change, some things you can. Like some of you, you saw your hair this morning and, and, and you thought that probably needs to change. I mean, none of you probably looked in the mirror that have actually have hair and thought, perfect. That's exactly what I want today. You didn't, you didn't do that. No, you were like, you know, you know doing this. Or, or you got the, the spray going, which, again, I can't relate to anymore. But, so I have to get a little more critical because, see, hair grows in places on my body that I, I really don't care for. Like, I remember the time when I was 25 and someone gave me a, an ear and nose hair trimmer, and I thought, gross. <laughs> and now I wake up and I look in the mirror, and I'm like, what the heck is that in my ear? <laughs> Tweezers, I, I, and, then, and then the other place is my nose. It's like gross, and you, you start going, oh, this is hideous. Let me move it back, and then and then you got like I got the whole like eyebrow antenna thing. It's like I, I'm exploring my environment. Ah, ah. <laughs> I'm feeling through. Anyway. And these are some serious bushy eyebrows. And I used to let my wife touch them, and then it hurt too bad. You know, you guys, and that's a bad mistake. She's like plucking them near here, and I'm like, this is so sensitive. I said, like, don't do that. Just, I'll just be bushy. But I, I just try to keep it as tight as I can, and after a while, you just, it's like, okay, I just can't contain all these hairs. <laughs> and so... There are things I I try to just make better, like getting the sleep out of my eye in the morning. It's like, but some things you you can't change. But there are a lot of things that you can change. You know, I didn't wake up in the clothes I was wearing and go, this is perfect, my PJs. I I, I changed into something that was hopefully a little more presentable. Now, we, we don't really care what you wear, we just want you to wear clothes. We don't really want you, I mean, that's important but we really don't care what you wear here. That's not a big point of emphasis here because it's really about what's going on in here and not on the externals. But I thought, hey, I probably should change it on my pajamas into something more presentable because I would scare you. And, and a lot of you did the same thing. You glanced in the mirror and hopefully you didn't just say this is perfect. But, but here's the deal. A lot of us, when we look into God's word, when we hear God's word taught. We take a glance. We may learn something. We may feel something, but not long enough for it really to sink in. And it's like we we take a glance and then turn away. We see ourselves, but then we walk away and we forget. We forget what we looked like. And a lot of other people can see it, whatever it might be, See, you struggle with forgiveness, or you struggle with anger. People can see it, and unfortunately, they may talk about it. They may not talk to you about it, but the joke starts becoming on you because you haven't stopped long enough to deal with it. And then the last set of verses here, I want to share with you. you can go ahead and throw them up here. He says this, writes this, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And what he's saying is as painful as this may be sometimes, he's saying it's time to stop and to stare and to look and evaluate and to go, you know what that that maybe it really needs to change. I, I need to have that tough conversation. I need to go and ask for forgiveness. I need, to, I need to start dealing with that anger that's bubbling beneath the surface. I don't, it could be a variety of things. But when you start taking the time to look, it can be painful initially. But then it goes on to say, but you'll be blessed for doing it. And if you dig into that word blessed, it means you'll be more satisfied. It means that your life will actually be happier. There will be more joy in it. There will be more fulfillment. And I don't know anyone in this room that would say, you know what, I want my life to be less fulfilling. I want to be less satisfied. I want to be less happy. I want to be less blessed. No one would say that. But when we make the the whole idea of our connection with God about just the one and not the 167, that's where we end up living. And the joke ends up being on us. And here's the big idea today that I really want to help you internalize and and we'll build on next week. Is just pretending or just attending leads to, to just pretending. Just attending leads to just pretending. It's so easy to go on and and, and with the life that we we live and the things that compete for our attention. The constant notifications on our phones with with whatever you do. The constant email barrages that some of us have. the, The constant Things that we deal with, with whether it be family, uh, our kids, it, it's distracting oftentimes from us actually remembering what's most important. And for a lot of us, we need to, to stop, we need to stare so that we don't end up fooling ourselves and just pretending and thinking we're doing God a favor by attending. And I started thinking about this whole concept of you know, how much Jesus loves us, he came and died. He lived, you know, he lived his perfect life, he died, he, he rose from the dead. People that saw him went from, you know, I don't know him to I'm gonna live for him, I'm gonna give it my all for him. And it just made me realize back in my life when I was in college and had my life-changing experience, God began to awaken some things in me. And and it was like, you know what? If I really receive this love, I'm going to give it time. See, love equals time. I mean, that's, we we know that intuitively. We give time to what we love. We give time to who we love. I remember being in a college and I, I was in a worship service and I remember them talking about how much God loved me. I remember them talking about love and relationships. And it was that night that I realized that I couldn't really love someone else until I received the love of Jesus. And that night that I really said, hey, Jesus, I I want to receive that. And what began to happen is I began to go, you know what, I want to share this. Now, I got caught up with a crowd of people, and you may have been a victim of these people before. They mean well, and I I don't mean to be disrespectful here. But I I got involved with a church that was really into that door-to-door um, evangelizing or witnessing or um, scaring people and so I got, I got trained in that and I, I mean I, I was bold I, I'd go up to any door and knock knock you know if you were to die today would you go to heaven I don't know on a scale of 1 to 100 how, how do you know for sure if you know God 90 Oh, well, would you want to be 100% sure? And I would actually have this whole deal where I would talk to people, and I wasn't scared. And then I went to College Spring Break. i like, Brian will do it, and, and he'll talk to anybody. He's like, well, we'll let him go door to door in the hotel rooms at College Spring Break while people are you know, having a good old time. And I'd have an entourage of 10 people, you know, probably 20 yards behind me, and, and Brian will do it. And I, I thought, I'm going to be bold for Jesus. And I'm not saying that, that someone's life wasn't impacted in a positive way. But what I started realizing is I really couldn't invest in those relationships. Over time when I realized some of the most effective ways that I could reach people for Jesus was in that relationship and spending time so they could actually see my life in action. And go, hey, is he, he's, he's the real deal? Yeah, he's not perfect, he makes mistakes, but, but he, he's, he's the real deal. And, and begin to give time to those relationships. I start thinking about my family relationships. I can't imagine going up to my wife going, you know what, sweetheart? I love you so much, this week you get one hour. <laughs> I know, it, it's a lot, it's a lot. But I'm gonna give you one hour because you are so hot. You are so lovely and you are just an amazing mom. You get one hour of my time. <laughs> Homie don't play that, smack! You know, I, it, it, uh, that's not really her way, but <laughs> that wouldn't work out so well. I have four children. I, if I approach them that way, hey, you get 15 minutes each. Not going to work. And here's the thing about this week and, and this talk with the 167. We wanna, you want, want you to think, hey, what, is, what is the next step for me in receiving and sharing the love of Jesus? Going from the 1 to the 167. You know, it could be reading through the book of James you be like, you know what? I'm not just going to let the pastor tell me about four verses from the Bible. Five if you want to count uh, James chapter 1-1, which I referenced at the beginning. But I'm actually going to take the next five days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and I'm going to read through the five chapters in James, one chapter a day. And I'm going to stop and stare and say, hey, what is chapter one? How does this intersect with my life today? There's a really... Um, Buck kicking verse in James 1 19, actually two verses 19 and 20 that I've memorized for a reason because when you hear it, you'll maybe you'll understand it. But James 1 19, uh, verses 119 and 20 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, so to speak, and so to become angry. And then verse 20 says, For man's anger doesn't bring about the life that God desires. Now think about that. If you were to hold this up to your life right now, and you were to go, am I, am I quick to listen? When someone says something I don't agree with, am I quick to listen, and so to speak? How about in your family? When someone says something you don't agree with, are you quick to listen, and so to speak? Sometimes I'm not. Are you slow to become angry? Sometimes I'm not. When I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I don't like that but I need it, but I don't like it, but I need it. If you took the next five days and said, I'm going to read one chapter, what could happen in your life? I imagine there could be some transformation if you took the time to stop and to stare into God's Word. Maybe said another way, I'm going to throw out this question, what do you need to do on Monday with what you heard on Sunday? I think it would be an awesome idea if you were to take this question, maybe write it out on a card and tape it up on your mirror and, and think about it. What do I need to do on Tuesday with what I heard on Sunday? What do I need to do on Wednesday with what I heard on Sunday? What do I need to do on Thursday with what I heard on Sunday? What do I need to do on Friday with what I heard on Sunday? And I'm going to do Saturday too. What do I need to do on Saturday with what I heard on Sunday? How could that make a difference in your life and the people around you? I believe a big one. How could that make a difference in your 167? I believe a big one. And here's the thing. You may say this morning, I, I'm not even sure if I'm a follower of Jesus. My invitation to you would be to take the next step of receiving his love. You see, Jesus came to die for you. He came to give his life for you your sins. He came that you would have a meaningful life here and then have eternal life beyond with him in heaven forever. And and you don't have to do anything to earn or deserve it. You can't. Your sin makes you fall short. But he offers a free gift of his own life to say, here you go. You receive me. You have eternal life with me forever and a more meaningful life here. And all you have to do is say, you know what? Jesus I want to receive you to be my Savior and forgiver, to save me of my sins, to forgive me of my sins. And, and, and then from there, he begins to, to change your life from the inside out. His spirit lives within you and changes you from the inside out. It's a very powerful thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to invite him in. It's, it's why I love the verse, one of the most famous verses of all time, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, not just select people, but whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, but have eternal life. Powerful, powerful words. But you would say, hey, some of you would say, Brian, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've received him. But I know there's more. I've been a hypocrite. I'm bored. I feel like I'm wasting time. Why well, challenge you to take your next step. And I don't know what that is for you today. But if you need someone to talk to, we have life care people that are in the hallway on the way out wearing blue shirts. They'll be glad to talk to you. I'll be glad to talk to you. You can email me, brian at summitchurch.net. We'll be glad to get you connected with somebody that can help you if I can't. We believe in that this much. What do you need to do on Monday with what you heard on Sunday? Guys, we appreciate you being here this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the Summit Church of Jamestown. We thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to sing some amazing songs and to be challenged by your word. I pray, God, that you would help those who, who aren't following you yet, that they would see how good Jesus is and that they would receive him. And I pray for those who, who have a relationship with you that are struggling with hypocrisy or or, or, or just being shallow or, or typical, that they would, they would look into the mirror, that they would look into your word, and that they would allow you to change them and begin to, to, to transform them, that, to make a difference in the 167 hours they have every single week. God, we thank you for this series. We need it. We look forward to what you're going to do in our lives from it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.